You're listening to Evoke, a podcast that inspires people to share their stories. Because although we all have unique struggles, we get through it together. Here are your co-hosts, Bracken Level and Brandon Paxton. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode. Today, we have another amazing guest. We're excited to have him share his story with you. We've got uh, Todd Sylvester. Um, he's quite the man. He is the founder of a nonprofit, anti-drug entity. It's called Sly Dog. Um, drug-free, that's me. He is now working uh, as a belief system counselor, and he has written two books called It's Time to Start Living and I Am Recovered. So this man has done a lot. He has a lot of experience, a lot to share. And not only has he done all that, but he has an amazing backstory that hopefully he'll be willing to share with us today. So Todd, why don't you just go ahead and give us a little bit of your background, where you come from? Yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be on your podcast, and hopefully I can share some some wisdom over the years that I've learned and some things that I've uh, been through myself and also helping other clients go through to help your listeners, you know, maybe find find their way through maybe some of their dark times or some challenges that they may be faced with. But uh, yeah, you know, my background, I was an addict for almost 10 years. I've been clean for 31. And, you know, when I got clean for the first time, I had an amazing experience that happened to me, which you know, we can get into more detail around that, but basically, you know, a God saved my life, honestly, before I even believed in God. And uh, it was that, it was in that moment, or I mean, honestly, almost the very moment when I just said, I'm going to help people the rest of my life who are struggling with addiction, depression, anxiety, and any, any, anything at all whatsoever they may be struggling with. And that would, like I said, I've been doing that now for 31 years. I've done close to, you know, almost 18,000 one-on-one sessions since then, coaching sessions. You know, I've done over 2,000 speaking events. I've written a couple books uh, and I do a podcast myself. I call it a belief cast. And I work at Wasatch Recovery where I work directly with people who are struggling with addiction been there for almost eight years and I see anywhere up to upwards to 30 clients outside of that in my in my home office and it's just my passion this is what I do I love helping people and and I've learned a lot and I'm just like like I said I'm excited to share some maybe some powerful things for you guys today that's so incredible that you know you had such a a meaningful experience that then that directed the rest of your life um, that really sticks out to me and yeah. you can, you can see it in the work that you do. Um, you talk a lot about, you know, you mentioned your po- podcast, you call it a belief cast and you talk a lot about belief systems. Where does that come from? Yeah. Well, what I have found is, you know, if I'm dealing with someone with a drug addiction, I always love saying it cause it's always shocks them. I'm like, you don't have a drug or an alcohol problem. You have a thinking problem. <laughs> and because our thoughts create belief systems, good or bad, and our beliefs dictate the way we behave. So belief systems to me are either the things that set us free or they're the they're actual the root problem of the cause of the unhealthy behavior or feelings. And it's really remarkable to watch someone change their belief from, for an example, if you have 
I had a client who believed he was stupid from the time he was in fifth grade. He, he held on to that belief for almost four decades and it dictated his behavior. He walked with his head down. He did low paying jobs. He wouldn't read a book in front of someone. He isolated, had really unhealthy relationships. He was miserable and he was a heroin addict. And those are all bad behaviors and all negative behaviors. Well, I didn't address the behaviors with him. What we did is I, through a process, helped him. He, he came out with like, yeah, I actually do believe I'm stupid. And so what we did is I helped him change that belief from stupid to brilliant. And what was so remarkable is once that switch happened, all his behaviors changed. And he, he hasn't slammed heroin in almost six years now. And we still talk, you know, I always text him, hey, how's my brilliant friend, you know? And he's like, man, I he's like blown away. Like, I can't believe I believed uh, uh, something that was actually a lie because he was actually a really smart guy. But something happened in fifth grade. He was at parent-teacher conference and he overheard the teacher tell his parents, your son's not very bright. So this poor fifth grader hears this. He doesn't know how to handle that news. And so he just thinks, geez, I guess I'm stupid. Wow. And he held on to that belief. It stuck with him, like I said, for over 40 years. So it was really cool. But so I'm just passionate about belief systems. I used to have a belief about me that I was no good. I was different. So I can't connect. My problems are too big. No girl is ever going to want to be with me. And the list went on and on and on. That was my problem. It wasn't necessarily the drugs and the alcohol. Obviously, that's a problem. But the, the main cause of my issues were my belief system. And so that's why I'm really passionate about it. And, and that's what I typically do with my clients is help them, you know, fix their belief systems. So what, what does that process look like fixing a belief system? Because typically a belief system is deeply rooted. It's, it's in there in a person really deep, you know, and For it's, sure. it's, it's hard to change that. So what does that look like? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, it's, it's a, the, you know, a belief, we have to first understand how a belief system is formed. And it's, it's there, there's a few different ways. It can happen by an experience, right? Like, um, like for instance, I was, when I was watching, I was watching my uh, baby brother when I was in seventh grade, my parents were out, out on the town that night and we had something break, someone bro broke into our house while I was babysitting. And it was a traumatic event. It's, I mean, it was, it was one of those things that it took me a long time to get over. I was afraid to be home alone, um, all kinds of stuff. And to this day, like in the middle of the day, I'll go around and lock all my doors and my kids will be like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. He's locking the doors. And I, and when I, when I sit back and analyze it, oh yeah, it's because of what happened when I was in seventh grade, I'm always checking the doors, you know? And so that belief system was formed by an, a really traumatic experience. But um, one of the most common way belief systems are formed is by just a thought that we think over and over and over again. And so what we think and what we say out loud actually matters because it programs the way our brain starts to believe our self-image and that kind of thing. And so what I do is I help my clients identify their negative narrative. Like I call it, uh, you know, the bully playlist because that negative voice in our head you know, acts like a bully, right? Pushes us around like, I'm no good. I can't do it. I'll never make it. I'm a drug addict. I always will be. And, and so what we do is we first have them identify this negative narrative. 
And then once it's identified, now we know what to attack, right? And so what we do is a really simple process is have them flip every negative and add their name. So for instance, if the first one says I'm stupid, you would say something like, you know, I taught I'm brilliant. And, and then we create this other list, I call it the champion list. And then that becomes my like daily affirmations, right? And people have heard of affirmations before. And, you know, a lot of people even roll their eyes like, oh, great affirmations, right? But, but think about this, guys. I bet if I ask both of you right now, can you guys sing the ABC song? And I oh, bet yeah. you could, right? Oh, yeah. 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 And you haven't thought of that for years, right? But the reason why you can do it now, this many years later, is because of repetition. Repetition deepens the impression. So if I start saying all these positive things over and over and over again, it starts to become a belief system. It's, I start to actually believe it. So what it actually does, you know, cognitively, it takes it from the short-term memory to the long-term memory. Once it's in the long-term memory, we don't forget it. So that's why you guys know the ABC song, right? So once this champion list, so to speak, or this new narrative that's positive starts to become natural and, 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 and it feels more comfortable, then I start behaving like I'm those things. It's really fascinating to watch. And it happens really subtly. And so, so that's, that's a, I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's kind of a simple way of answering that question. Right. So you're having them just read this champion list every day. Yeah. Among some other things, but that's where we get started. Right. You know, we have to start somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, the other part of that uh, tool or technique is what I call recognize, refuse, replace. So if I have a negative thought come into my mind, I recognize it and then I refuse it. So like um, if a thought comes in, I'm stupid. I recognize like, oh, there's the thought. And then I refuse it. I'm like, that's not me. That's something else. That's, I call it the bully. There's the bully, right? You can call it Cinderella. It doesn't matter. And then, um, then I replace it by adding my name. And then I say, I taught him brilliant. And I do it in real time. I'm telling you, it's a technique that Olympic athletes use as part of their training. And it is a game changer. And it's so simple, but people won't do it because they're like, oh, affirmations and Oh, recognize, refuse, replace. That sounds great. But if people will actually put in the work to do it, it will change your, your narrative. And here's why that's important. Because the most powerful force in the human psyche is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. And so it's typically that story that keeps people stuck, that keeps people depressed, that keeps people feeling, you know, hopeless, because that narrative has been played over and over and over again. And so I basically am helping them change their story. Well, that's fascinating. Honestly, I, uh, when you were talking about it, you know, you mentioned Olympic athletes. Um, it is kind of an, an athlete way of thinking. And it's interesting that we don't yeah. more often connect that to our lives, you know, because we do and the things that we love, we want to be the best. And so we, we put all this effort into it. And, and I think that that's something that we're seeing a lot in mental wellness or whatever you want to call it is, you know, we're, we're not yeah. taking care of ourselves. Um, but with that, how has your story changed then? How have you changed that? You kind of through the same process, you know, I used to walk around thinking I looked funny. No girl's ever going to want to be with me. 
you know, I, I'm not good enough, which is a very common one. I think everyone listening to this can relate like, yeah, there's times where I just don't feel like I'm good enough. I think that's very common. So how's that changed? I mean, I've just put in the work. I put in the work. So, you know, at the height of my addiction, I was at the lowest point in my life. I wanted to be dead. And I just, my narrative in my head was so vicious and so negative and so, you know, soul destroying, so to speak. And I had to learn to, again, like I said, identify that and then start telling myself something different. And even when I didn't believe the good stuff, like I'd say something good about me and I'd just be like, oh, that doesn't feel good. It doesn't, I, I, it, it's funny how the good can feel so uncomfortable, <laughs> right. but that's what happened. But it was, it's just been a process over time. But luckily I had a mentor back in the day when I was getting clean who kind of walked me through a lot of this stuff that I'm sharing with you today. And it's, like I said, it's the same thing I share with my clients all the time, but it's just, I believe I am good enough. I believe life is amazing. I love living, man. I really do. And there was a time where I didn't want to even be alive, but I'm, I'm grateful to be alive. I think life's amazing because I've learned to control the way I think. And that's where everything changes. Wow. So I kind of want to take it back. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into those addictions? And at what point did you look at your life and say, I am addicted and start looking for that help? It wasn't until I lost my basketball scholarship. You know, it was kind of like a wake up call, like, man, I'm a mess. Um, I, I had worked my butt off to get this college scholarship. And it was my it was my childhood dream. And when I lost that, that was when I realized I've got a problem. I'm in trouble. And so unfortunately, sometimes it takes a, like a, again, a traumatic event like that to make people wake up. And that was my wake up call. But even then I was still a mess. I, I just realized I was a mess, but I didn't know how to get out of it at the time. And so, so losing something like that was, it was really when I decided, um, or not decided, I just recognized that I truly have an addiction and this isn't going in the, the right direction that I wanted to. Did you have any family members, friends that you could go to and kind of seek help at that time? Not at that time. No, I had all my friends partied and did drugs and drank and, you know, the great people, but that's what we all did together. And my parents, uh, you know, we're going through their own battles. My mom uh, used to be a, an opiate addict, a drug, you know, drug addict. You know, my dad drinks, you know, my family parties. So at that time, I just thought no one's going to understand that I, I need help because I, I just thought, why am I struggling with this? And it seems like no one else is, right? And so I felt very alone and just kind of didn't know where to turn at that moment. So it, it, it was a kind of a scary moment in my life. And that's why that's, you know, I got to the point where I decided I was just going to end my life. I was, it's, it's, I'm done. And so, yeah. And what was that like? I mean, you, when I've heard your story the first time, it was interesting for me to see, um, you, you went from kind of, you know, you had worked so hard to achieve, um, what you did. You got, you got a basketball scholarship. It seemed to me from your story, like that's everything you wanted. And, and being a high schooler once, I can understand yeah. that we, we see things yeah. for what they are. And sometimes to our fault, we see things as an end all. Um, right. 
And so what was that like for you? And then what was it like for you to hit that low point? It was complete hopelessness. I mean, honestly, I, I, if you were to ask me back then, who are you, Todd? I would have said, I'm a basketball player. That was my identity. And then when that went away, there goes my identity. And then I thought, well, who am I without basketball? And so, and that's really, to me, guys, it brings up a bigger question. This is the one of the main questions I asked my clients. I will ask them that very question, who are you? And you'll be surprised, 10 out of 10 can't answer the question. Wow. That's a problem. And so I didn't know who I was. I just thought, yeah, I'm a basketball player. That's me. When that identity was gone, that's when I was like, well, what's the point in moving forward? Luckily, I made it through that process because I've realized that's, I, I was just blind to who I really was, right? And so are most people. And so that to me was just one of those scary times where I'm like, man, if I, I've lost who I was. So what's the point of moving forward? And so a lot of people hearing this can probably relate. So we've got to really, truly realize who we really are. And that's another process that I put my clients through. And that to me is the foundation for change. If you want anyone to change, the quickest way to help someone change is to show them their true identity. And, and that's what I was lacking. I didn't know who I was at all. And so that's why I'm really passionate about that as well. And that really does help um, help people move forward out of addiction or depression or anxiety or anything else they may be struggling with. What's some advice that you can give people that don't know how to answer that question? They don't know who they are yet. Yeah, it's a great, simple, this is powerful yet simple, man. And I'm all about simplicity, okay? Simplicity is power. So it's a real simple thing. And I'll ask you guys this. What are the characteristics of a baby learning to walk? So for example, when a baby falls down, what do they do? They get back, get up. back up. They get back up, right? And then they fall down. And then what do they do? They get back up, right? And they do this thousands of times, right? So when you guys and I are watching a baby learning to walk, what characteristics does a baby possess? They're persistent. What would you guys say? Yep. Persistent. Persistent. What else? Uh, I would say a short-term memory. They forget about what they did wrong. Okay. Beautiful. I, I'll, I'll say it this way though. Babies have the ability to forgive themselves instantly. When they fall down, they don't go, I suck. I'm not good enough. They might get hurt because it hurt physically. They might cry. But what do they do? They shake it off, they stand up, and they try it again. So you're right. I agree with that. They forgive themselves instantly. They're persistent. They're determined. They're courageous. They're brave. They're confident. They're happy. They're positive. The list goes on. And then I would ask you guys, where did they get those characteristics? It's natural. It's instinct. So they were born with it. Born, born with them. So what does that mean about you? Same for us. You were born with them. Think about it. A baby has the will to never give up. It's in their DNA. So if they were born with it, that means you and I were born with it. So where did those characteristics go? Nowhere. But see, as we get older and everyone goes through this, we forget who we are. So if you were to ask me, the question, who am I? 
I'm going to, it's an easy, it's an easy answer for me now. So ask me who I am. Who are you? <laughs> I'm a creator. I'm honest. I'm integrist. I'm hardworking. I'm compassionate. I'm sympathetic. I am brave. I'm tenacious. I am self-disciplined. I have self-control. I'm integrist, right? I am love. I am light. I am energy. That is me. Where did I get those? I was born with them. I got them. They, they're God-given, and they were here the, the moment I was born. They're, it's in my DNA. I have the will to never give up. See, how can I be depressed if I focus on those things? That's a good point. It's amazing. And I know you guys might be going, that seems pretty simple, Todd. Yes, it is simple, but it's powerful. And here's why this matters, guys. There's an old story about King Louis XVI. He had a son who was a prince. And the enemies of the king knew that when the king dies, the prince will take over as king. They didn't want that to happen. So what did they do? They went and killed the king and they took the prince and they threw him into prison and they left him in prison. Instead of killing him, they thought, well, let's ruin his reputation. Let's give him women to have sex with, alcohol to drink, fatty foods, anything they could think of to ruin this guy, right? The prince refused all of it. He refused the women. He refused the alcohol. He refused the bad foods and his captors were getting frustrated and they're saying, why are you refusing this? And he looks him in the eye and he says, because I was born to be a king. He knew who he was. That's why it matters. Wow. And so that, that is one of the most, if not the most important thing that we need to realize is who we really are. That's so true. And, you know, and, and it's, it's, insane how quickly we forget that yep it's truly insane yep. to me and you know you mentioned something todd um it really kind of stuck out to me you said it seems so simple and some people say ah oh, like I, I you know i don't want to do that a lot of, i hear a lot of times you know that's cliche that's super cliche that's a cliche thing to say <laughs> how right how can we get past that you know are we just telling ourselves that is that something to get our, you know, give us an, a quick out or? Absolutely. It's an excuse. It keeps us from doing the work. Now, if I was to ask you two guys this, this is powerful. And I learned this from one of my good friends, uh, Zach Sorensen. He's the mental performance coach for the Atlanta Braves. And so here's how he posed it to me. He said, if I said to you, if I, I'm going to say it to you two, if I said to you guys, would you be willing to give up 1% of your day to work on you? And if you would do that, it would mean you'd be more confident. You'd have more love for yourself and others. You'd have less anxiety, less depression. Um, you would uh, have stronger relationships. You would achieve and set your, you know, you'd set and achieve goals, you know, and the list goes on. But would you be willing to give up 1% of your day if that's what it meant that you would get? Would you do it? Of course. How do you say no to that, right? Guess how much 1% of your day is? 14 minutes and 24 seconds. Wow. That's nothing when you, you look spent, at it like that. See, and here's what's fascinating. People won't put in the 1%. If you put in 1% of the day and looked in the mirror and said, you know, that champion list a thousand times, you could literally do it a thousand times in 15 minutes. 
That's 1% of your day. You tell me you wouldn't be on fire when you left that mirror? I'm telling you, you'd be on fire. The most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. Ferdinand Foch said that. And I'm telling you, if you did that for 15 minutes every day, you'd be on fire. Why? Because you're tapping into truly who you really are. <laughs> Think of the characteristics of a baby. We could, we could list a thousand of them. And then we go, where did they get them? And you're like, well, yeah, they were born with them. So what does that mean about you and I? We were born with them. So why don't we focus on it? 1% will change your life. I do 4%. I, I do this thing called my hour of power. I spend 4% of my day. It's just an hour, a little over 4% of my day. It's the greatest gift I've ever given myself. I put in the work. And I used to be depressed. I used to be so anxious that I couldn't get out of bed. I used to think brushing my teeth was impossible. And I get it. It's real suffering. And I feel bad. And, and that's why I love what I do. I help people with the tools and the knowledge to, to get them to where they can work through this. And they get to that point where they start experiencing joy and happiness again. And, and it really is the number one cause of human suffering is our own thinking. And so... Our thoughts matter, man. They're powerful, both good and bad. So I spend, you know, 4% of my day working on this and this. And, and it, I'm telling you, it, put, it sets my soul on fire. I did it this morning. And I'm here we are at 6 p, 6.30 and I'm on fire still. Hey. <laughs> you ever have those, those down days where you just don't feel like For doing sure. it? Absolutely. I'm human. Right. I have moments of like... I do not want to do it today, but I'll tell you, it's been a big part of my recovery. I've been doing it for 30 plus years consistently, but yeah, you're right. I have days where I'm like, screw it. I ain't doing it. Guess what? I'm just like everybody else. But those moments is when I need to do it the most is when I'm feeling like, no, I don't want to do it. And that's when I go, no, I'm going to get up and do it. Now, are there days that I miss for sure? But I, but I still have moments where I'm depressed and sad and down but I'll tell you the majority of the time I'm a happy person. And it's evident. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool to see what that's done for you, even from a distance, you know, we don't know you personally, but we can see, yeah. at least I can see what it's done for you. And it's very evident to me, you know, and, and I don't want to skim past that 31 years. Congratulations. That's, that's incredible. Thank you. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. And I think it would be unfair for our listeners if we kind of just, skimmed over that. I want to, I want to, you know, that's kind of why I asked because it is difficult. We have to put in the work to do these things. Um, but you've put in the work now for 31 years. Can you kind of walk us through where you were beginning from you? You mentioned the last thing you mentioned was that you wanted to end your life. Then what happened? What changed? And why are you where you are now? Well, again, I, I did. I wasn't raised religious. I didn't go to church. We didn't. Matter of fact, if anything, we were anti-religion. <laughs> you know, my dad was really anti-religious, and so I just kind of followed his lead. Yeah, I am too. Right. I had no reason to, other than I just kind of that's what I grew up in. You know, and um, I didn't believe in God. I didn't pray. I didn't do any of those things. And when I got to my darkest moment. <clears throat> I'm sitting next to these two girls at school the very day I'm going to go in my life. 
and I overhear them talking about fasting and prayer. I've never heard that term before, fasting and prayer. I knew what prayer was. I didn't honestly didn't know what fasting was. I had no clue. And I'm jumping quickly through this because it's a really long story. But I, I, I asked these girls, "What? Hey, what is what is fasting and prayer?" And they're like, "Well, why do you want to know?" Because I actually was really mean to these two girls when it came to their religion. I I teased them about it. I ripped on them. Anyway, they go on to tell me in our religion, we fast once a month. Um, we, we start with a prayer. We don't eat all day. We end with the prayer. And as they're telling me this, I'm like, what is the point of that? I thought that's crazy. You know, who, why would you do that? And I asked him, what's the point? And one of them just got in my face and said, if you want help from God. And I, I don't know how to explain it. It just nailed me when she said, I was like, whoa, is there a God? And would he want to help me? And this is the very day I'm ending my life. And when she said that, it just hit me so hard. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. And so I did. I, I fasted and prayed for help. Nothing happened for a month. It kept me from killing myself, but I was still suicidal. I'm still drinking alcohol every day. I'm doing every drug under the sun. I'm a complete train wreck. And I, I honestly don't want to be here. And then I had... I got an answer to that fast and prayer through a friend of mine who I played basketball with um, in high school who had been on a mission. He was now back and married and doing his thing. And, and God went through him to, to answer that fast and prayer. And when that happened, that's when I was like, I'm going to help people the rest of my life. And there's so much more to that story, but because of timing, but uh, that's, that's when I, I just, I just started having this desire to help other people. And I, I was like, how am I going to do this? How can I go help other people? Well, my nickname in high school was Sly Dog. My last name's Sylvester, so Sly. And then I actually had a dog and we named the dog Sly. <laughs> and so all my friends called me Sly Dog. And so this one day I'm in my room and I'm writing down just ideas of how can I help people, especially kids. I wanted to help kids. And I started doodling this dog, this stick figure dog. And I went, it hit me, I'm like, there it is. I'm going to I'm going to have someone create a cartoon character named Sly Dog with a dog head and a uh, human body and his motto is going to be drug free that's me and I'm going to go around and I'm going to share my story to all the elementary school kids in the state of Utah. Pretty bold thing to say, but I knew that's what I was going to do in that moment. I'm like there it is. And Sure enough, I put this all together and I started going around to all the schools in the state of Utah. I spoke to over 250,000 children in the next five years. Wow. And then I would have parents come up to me and go, hey, my child really loves what you're doing in the school. Would you be willing to meet with them one on one? I'm like, sure. I didn't have a clue what I was going to do, but I'm like, yeah, sure. And that's how my counseling and life coaching and mindset coaching started. I started meeting with these kids. That's that was 18, almost 18,000 sessions ago. I mean, it blows my mind. And it just expanded from there. And I'll tell you, um, when we give back, when we help someone else, it is the most powerful drug on the planet is helping someone else. I'm telling you, it is a game changer for any of us. And it really was the fire and the fuel that pushed me through this addiction. And I got clean eventually. It took, it took about a year and a half, honestly. And, uh, 
but yeah, I haven't looked back ever since. I mean, I've had close calls over the years. I'm human, but I've been clean 31 and doing great. And that's kind of, it's kind of how it all kind of started. And that's why I'm sitting here with you guys today. That's amazing. I really admire that the first thought when you, when you kind of found that peace in life, that joy, that happiness, you thought, I need to share this. That was your first thought. I need to share this. And then you went to it. You just put all you had yeah. into it. That's what we need in this world, you know? Yeah, for sure. You know, looking back on it, you know, the, the hell I went through through my addiction. I say this to when I speak a lot and, you know, in my speaking events or with my clients or even with my family members, if I could go back to my addiction and say something to it, like if I could walk back and say, hey, addiction, you know what I would say to it? I would say, thank you. And I'd give it a big hug. You want to know why? Because I'm talking to you two right now. Think about it. Had I not gone through that, we wouldn't be talking tonight. So I'm grateful for it. I really am. I am so grateful that I went through it. And I'm lucky to be alive. I should be dead. I overdosed several times. I should not be here. But here I am. And I thank God and I thank you know, the heavens and the universe or whatever, but God, all of that, I'm just, I, I pinch myself. I can't believe I'm talking to you guys. I mean, I can sit here and talk and go, man, this is just amazing to me. Right. That, that, that truly is an amazing thought. And it's, you get lost down a deep rabbit hole when you start thinking about things that might not have been. Yeah. And, and for your listeners, I want them to hear this. Um, your addiction or your adversity, whatever it may be that you're going through, is the wake-up call to your greatness. This woke me up to my greatness. I, I mean, I really honestly pinch myself and go, I get to do this for a living. I get to help people. And I'm telling you, I'm just as passionate about it now that I was 30 years ago. And so it was the wake-up call to my greatness. So anyone listening to this who's struggling, I, I, I know it's hard what you're going through, but one of, the, one, of the, one of the most powerful principles to remember is life happens for us. It's trying to teach us a lesson this hard time, the adversity, the addiction, and it's trying to wake us up to the greatness that's within us. Now, sometimes we obviously need help, and that's obviously where I come in a lot of times, and I help people start to recognize that, but I'm telling you, that's what it is. Life happens for us. And that's why I'm here. I love that. Can you speak a little bit more about your surroundings, the environment, um, how important that is for a person that's especially struggling? Yeah, I mean, you know, nowadays, you everyone's got social media and their Xbox games and their Playstations and all that stuff. And, and everyone's like, you know, locked into something you know, digital. And, and that's all good. I mean, I social media is a great tool if we use it for good, but it can be so destructive. I'm telling you, man, that stuff, we have to unplug, we have to disconnect. We have to put those things aside and connect with our with our God with our higher power with other people. You know, if, if, you know, imagine if the whole time I'm on this, the whole time I'm talking to you guys, you'd be like, Todd's not even engaged, right? You'd be like, why is he on his phone, <laughs> right? And so I- That's how most our conversations are. For sure. Days. And so, right. 
so back then when I was going through this, I didn't have, there wasn't social media, but what I had to do is I had to unplug from some of my best friends and they're still my best friends to this very day, honestly. But I had to pluck myself out of that and say, guys, I can't keep hanging out. Not because I don't love you guys, because I do. But if I keep hanging out, I'm going to keep using and I don't want to do that. And I even had to unplug from my own family who were using. And I had to stay away from family parties sometimes because it wasn't because I'm better than anyone. It was just more of I was in a weak, vulnerable state and I didn't want to put myself around those things. And so environment is critical. You know, what do they say? You're the average of the five people you hang around the most, right? You hang around five millionaires, you're going to be the sixth millionaire. You hang around five drug addicts, you're going to be the sixth drug addict. So who we hang and rub shoulder with, shoulders with matters, you know? And so, so that's important. Environment really does play a big role in, you know, helping us, in, you know, get healthy and move in the right direction. That's a good point. And that kind of goes back to your original point that you made at the beginning, recognize, refuse, and replace. You know, you got to recognize your surroundings yep. too. And sometimes you, you got to refuse and yeah. replace. Um, totally. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, you gave some really great advice today. And and I we usually kind of end with that advice, but I, I, I want to bring back, mm-hmm. I think, I just think you hit it right on the head when you said, you know, the most powerful story that we tell the most powerful story is the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And I think that's super important to remember. Um, yeah, Todd, you're, you're incredible. I think that you have so much wisdom and so much to offer this world. And so we appreciate you being on and sharing some of that wisdom with our listeners, um, and giving us your time. So thank you. No, thank you guys. And I hope, I hope your listeners took something from this and I, you know, I appreciate what you two are trying to do. And I love that you're doing this, you know, you two being young, right? I love it. I mean, and just stick with it. It's needed. And the more we can get this out there to people who are struggling, the better. Well, thank you so much. Before we go, can you just give us your, the best way to reach out to you? What's your handle on Instagram or a website? Yeah. Yeah. My handle on Instagram is TS inspires um, short for Todd Sylvester inspires. And then my website is uh, toddsylvesterinspires.com. You can, you know, you can uh, contact me through my website, but, you know, you can DM me on Instagram or Facebook even. And again, it's TS Inspires is the handle. Um, you can email me at todd at toddsylvesterinspires.com. And I'll be happy to talk to anyone and, you know, answer any questions or, you know, and if you ever, if you ever need another guest down the road, I'd be happy to be back on the show. <laughs> and we love to have you thank you so much thanks for listening if you like this episode subscribe leave a rating and a review or share with your friends and family to show your support if you want to reach out to us find us on facebook or instagram at evoked podcast